0: That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.
1: Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio Classics, where we listen to a classic episode of Dead Rabbit Radio with a new intro and a new super outro. This is the one you guys are going to want to hear about. I normally take the requests from Patreon supporters but no one requested this one, and it doesn't mean that it's not a great episode. A uh, Rage Cat recommended the prequel to this: "You Are the Yawn Machine." But I wanted to cover it this season. I think it's great to have it back to back: the Food Replicator and the Yawn Machine. They're pretty comparable in real time. They are separated by like twenty episodes, so more than a month had passed between these episodes. And. For the first time, I have not talked about this publicly. We're going to talk about what happened with the Discord server. Because there is a lot of requests to bring the Discord server back. And uh, just the Discord server went down. And it was a thing. It was a thing that happened. So if you've ever been curious about what happened with the Discord server, stick around for the end of this episode. Um, We'll talk. The Discord story is an interesting part of Dead Rabbit Radio. Yeah, we're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about The Food Replicator. We're going to talk about this story and everything else that is involved in this episode. So stick around. Uh, Listen to this episode. I think it's a great episode. And then stick around to the end. We will talk about uh, everything that I just talked about. This here is episode 177, The Food Replicator. Three girls walking on a country road discover a creature and possibly a government cover-up. And then we look at Paul Adams' greatest invention. You thought the yawn machine was a magnificent piece of technology slash therapy. Today we look at the food replicator. And you can build it yourself today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you are having a great day too. We got some cool stuff to cover, some cool stories. But first, I wanted to talk about this briefly. We have a Discord setup. A lot of people have been requesting to get a Discord setup. A lot of people have been requesting to get a Discord set up, and it is set up now. It was set up by BarfyMan362 on YouTube, so I appreciate that. I'm going to stop in every once in a while. I can't promise I'll be there every day just because I'm always doing research and working my jobs and doing the show, but I will be stopping by. But it's also a good place for the fans to hang out. I know something that a lot of podcast listeners have said is said, you know, I listen to the podcast, but I have to go to YouTube to really be part of the community. So hopefully this will mitigate that. It'd be a cool place to kind of hang out, be civil towards each other. I think everyone kind of gets along with this group. And so again, thank you, Man 362 And then I have a buddy. He's Earbud on Twitter. He surprised me today with a built, he built a desktop computer for me. He saw the laptop I was using because he knows me in real life. He goes, you use that laptop for everything? And I was like, yeah, this is like, this is my podcast laptop. This is my work laptop. This is a laptop I watch, you know, the office on. This is kind of what I have. So he built me this super dope desktop computer. It's easily the fastest computer I've ever owned. And that's what I'm recording the podcast on right now. And it actually sounds a bit smoother. I'm still trying to fiddle with the audio, the, the mic volume and stuff like that. But to me, it already sounds a lot smoother just because it's a better sound card. Still got my laptop to, to, to watch The Office on and to do all my research on. But uh, thank you, Earbud. It, I, I, I I honestly, I don't feel like I deserve it. It's this amazing gift that he just dropped off today. And I I told him, I said, really, this will help take the podcast to the next level. My plan now is to do, and it's in the future, it's not coming up anytime soon, but I want to do a video for Friday's episode. And for the podcast listeners, I know that it sucks when you listen to a podcast and they're like, oh, look at this cool thing we're watching and a podcast listener can't see it. I hate that. I absolutely hate that. So the Friday episode won't be any different to the podcast listener at all. I'm not going to be like, hey, now let's watch this five-minute <laughs> YouTube video while I'm totally quiet. But to the YouTube users, you'll be able to see video. It will also allow me to do, I've talked about doing Twitch. I want to play some scary games. Find some spooky games. Maybe even do like like tarot readings and Ouija stuff. So I I, I told him. I mean, this this computer is exactly, I think, what the show needed. Just the technology bump up is so high. So thank you here, but again, I don't feel like I deserve it, but obviously you feel that I do, and that is very humbling to me. Yeah, it's just amazing. So I think we're going to see a lot of really cool technological leaps coming for the podcast. I think it would be cool to play like some spooky games and talk to you guys on a Friday night because that's really my time where I'm not doing any podcast stuff and I'm not working. Friday nights is kind of like from 7 to 3 in the morning. It's totally mine. Everything else belongs to... Something. So let's go ahead and get started with the first story. Oh! Fuck. Oof. Uh, Carbonated water just exploded all over me, and it's freezing cold. I wonder why I did that. Oh, because it's a block of ice underneath. That's why it's pressure buildup. I think it's going to explode. I got to Here, hold on. The year? 1996 the country brazil we've actually it's funny we've been to brazil a lot on this show more than i would have thought it's really really interesting because it's something that's not normally covered in ufo or bigfoot or cryptid or anything lore tons of stuff happening down there so we're in brazil once again and i have no problem with it i think it's probably a lovely country i've never been there too many aliens so this story is actually a request from Gabriel on YouTube. He was the one who recommended the story for me. It's quite funny, quite weird, and it has a lot of odd twists and turns. The year is nineteen ninety six, the countries Brazil were specifically in a region called or a city called Varginha. Varg var, var, uh, Vargina? Vargina. We'll call it Vargina. I already I lose Brazil listeners every time I do a Brazil episode. But anyways, we're in the country of Brazil, Vargina. Three young girls walking down the road. It's dusk. Still a little light out, but it's on that teetering between darkness and day. You, <laughs> you guys know what dusk is. But I'm setting the mood. These three young girls are walking down the road. They see something in front of them that concerns them. Not someone. They think that what is walking in front of them is the devil. They later described this creature as kind of having a wobbling gait, moving unsteadily in front of them alongside the dusty road. It was five feet tall, large head, very, very thin body, little limbs, little spindly limbs wobbling back and forth. It had V-shaped feet, like a duck's foot, which is kind of an odd detail. Brown skin, large red eyes. Girls ran away, went and told their mother, We saw the devil. We saw the devil. Mom's like, it's so funny because the mom's like, No, you didn't. The mom's like, You 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 girls are are stupid. These girls were a ranged in age between fourteen and twenty two. Two of them were sisters, so they went back to their mom's house. They told their mom this story, and the mom's like, No, you didn't. That's super dumb. You guys are idiots. But anyways, the the daughters convinced her to just go out and check the scene. Mama, mama, go check the scene. So the the mother goes out there, and which is kind of ballsy, actually. If, if, if I had three daughters, and they ran home, and they said... There's a, lot of, there's a lot of hypotheticals in this one, but if I had three daughters, and they ran home and told me they saw the devil, I don't think my first inclination would be to go out and be like, prove it, and then to go out into the twilight to find this creature. But anyway, she did. The mom goes there, and she noticed two things. Three things. She noticed a strong smell of ammonia. She noticed some footprints, which apparently matched the V-shaped feet. And there was a dog in the area. I don't know why the dog is a detail that she noticed. Unless she's like Harry the Spy and she's just like picking up clues randomly. But the strong ammonia smell and the V-shaped feet do make sense. What happened was that then this panic started in the town. The story spread very quickly that there was an alien or the devil in town. And I think most townspeople were like, I think most people in town were like, five feet, tiny little arms, weird, you know, like giant head. It was probably an alien. It probably wasn't the devil. So you started getting this rash of UFO sightings in the area. Other people were like, I saw a UFO in this area. I saw this strange light. One farmer said a UFO flew over his property and hovered there over his cattle. I think this story is completely made up, by the way. Not the whole story, but this particular part. This farmer says... I came out, my cows were acting all weird. They weren't as talkative as they normally are. They were kind of like looking down at the ground. They weren't engaging with me. I noticed there was a UFO floating above them. It floated there for 40 minutes. No photos, really, dude? You didn't even bring a sketch artist out to draw a picture? 40 minutes is a long time for you to not be able to go get your camera. But anyways, that story is completely ridiculous. But there were other UFO sightings in the area. Culminating in a big story where apparently an alien collapsed on the side of the road. And it was at nighttime. This alien is just collapsed on the road, sick or something. And that's what the original people, the original girls, after they got over the devil story, said it looked like it was sick. What we saw, the way it walked, it looked like it wasn't healthy. But anyways, there's this other alien sick on the side of the road. Maybe the same one. We'll find out. Three military trucks pulled up, put the body in the back, took it to a local clinic... So it didn't take it to, like, a Area 51-esque hospital underground. They took him to a, like, 24-hour med clinic and dropped it off where it was treated. And you think that's ridiculous, but multiple people saw more than one alien in in the clinic that night. They're like, I know that story's stupid, that the military would just drop an alien off at a 24-hour express med, but I saw an alien there. I absolutely saw an alien there. So the story spread like wildfire through the town. So the Brazilian military investigated this. Brazilian military is like, we we should look into this. Let's see what happened here. Here's the thing. This is is it. Their findings for what happened over that period of time in 1996 is either absolutely true or the worst cover-up I've ever heard. Because you know how, like Men in Black when they'd like scan you with that little beam in your eyeball? And, and I know that's not <laughs> real life. But you know how they'd scan you with that little eyeball thing and then they'd give you a fake story? People say UFOs are swamp gas or the planet of Venus or stuff like that. All of that stuff is for... Uh, this sounds like the worst cover-up ever. But it's most likely what really happened. So the military investigated. And first off, they said, listen, guys, those three military trucks that were driving on the road that night, that it was a scheduled drive. Those trucks go through that area all the time around the same time. Like that is a normal. We didn't pick up anything on the side of the road. The people go, whoa, well, well, OK, well, what about the what about the 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 alien that the girls saw walking down the road? So this is what the Brazilian military had to say about the original sighting. This is from an article here. In regards to the wasteland creature, an official inquiry led by the Brazilian military authorities concluded in 2010. So this is 14 years after the event. They really did look into this. Concluded in 2010 that the Silva sisters had actually come across. So this is what the military concluded was walking by these girls had actually come across a homeless, mentally unstable man nicknamed Mudhino, covered in mud. Can you imagine the military investigator who's been working for the government for 15 years? He thinks he's investigating a possible alien sighting, and when he starts interviewing people around town, he consistently sees a muddy homeless person walking around unsteadily with red bloodshot eyes because he has a drinking problem. And he's probably quite skinny, because he's homeless and mentally unstable. And I can imagine the investigator, every time he's interviewing somebody, and he's like, so, you swear that you saw this UFO over your cows? And they're like, yes, yes, he sees Madino walking in the background, all unsteady. And the investigator's like, God, man. And then some people go, okay, yeah, we know Medino. We know him. He does have an abnormally large head, skinny little body, brown skin, with just the mud covering him. But how do you explain the aliens that we all saw in the clinic? How do you explain that? And at that point, the military goes, we haven't an the answer for that as well. We came to that conclusion in 2010 as well. Apparently, they traced it back. Now, again, this is either a terrible cover-up or the absolute truth. But the military says, we, we traced back the sightings to the clinic. We went to the clinic. We talked to them. We went over records. Apparently, two... <laughs> This is the military said. Two dwarves, two little people, were in there who were expecting to give birth. Not both of them at the same time, but it was either like a a routine checkup or it was a a, like a like a what are those things where they check out the baby prenatal visit something like that. So you basically people who were hearing all this UFO flap and then they walk into a clinic and they see, saw just two short people, one with a big old belly. And that was the big alien sighting. Now, it's one of those things, like, because of mass Delusion, I can see people jumping to that conclusion when they see something out of the ordinary. They see these little people, and they're like, ah, aliens! So, yeah, that's the story of the alien of the town that I can barely pronounce. I have to say this, though. How mentally unstable and muddy do you have to be to be confused with an interdimensional creature? I kind of want to do a story on this guy. If anyone has any information on Mudino, I'd love to hear it, because that just sounds absolutely bizarre. Why is he covered in mud? Is it a decision he made, or did he just fall into a mud puddle and never took a bath? Like, what is the origin story of this guy? And what is up with his feet? I gotta look into this guy. I I swear, there are... I think a cool place to look... This might sound kind of cruel and savage, but... I'm sure if you wanted to find some cryptids, hang out with the homeless. Not saying that they're cryptids, but if I was like a skinwalker, or if I was some sort of like half-human hybrid, that's where I'd hang out. They got bigger problems to worry about the fact that your eyes roll back into your head when you sleep, or that you have like eight tongues, or you're eating the flesh of, you know, the living. They got bigger problems to worry about. If I was a cryptid, I would hang out with the homeless. I actually should look into that. Are cryptids feeding on the homeless, or just blending in with them? Interesting. Okay, but before we get into that story I just came up with, Let's go ahead and move on to our next story. So this was the original request I got from Ramsey via email. He said, Jason, you got to look into this guy. He's an inventor, and you got to look at this invention. And I started looking around his site, and the first thing that popped up that I saw was the yawn machine. I was like, I want to cover him, but I'm going to break it up into two. Because the yawn machine, that was the last episode of season three. I love that episode. And the one that Ramsey specifically wanted me to cover was the food replicator. So I've always kept it on the docket. And now it's time. It is time to tell you about an invention that will change your life. It changed his. definitely changed his. So brief overview of Paul Allen. He's a man. He's probably like in his late 60s. Actually, actually, he may not be around anymore from the look of his blog. But at this time, he looked to be in about his uh, late 60s, maybe. It's really hard to pin down his age. Just a couple photos of him. He invented the yawn machine. You are the yawn machine. By yawning, you can relieve your stress. I recommend listening to that episode. He also invented something and I curse, I curse God and I curse the world that I live in that this link is not working. I'm looking at his website of all of his inventions and one of them is called Paul's Squirrel Academy. And then you just click on it and it goes to a 404 page somewhere. And I was like, no, like how, why was I born onto a planet where I don't have access to what Paul's Squirrel Academy is? I can only imagine the insanity that used to be behind that link, but it is no more. We will not, that that phrase belongs on the conspiracy iceberg. If anything that I've covered belongs on there, that does. Paul's Squirrel Academy. What does it mean? Is it a literal academy? Are there squirrels walking around with little top hats or little? What are those little graduation caps? Is it a metaf- like metaphorical academy, like how we each have a squirrel inside of us and the academy helps us? Grow- I don't know that phrase. If if anyone ever edits another conspiracy iceberg uh, image, please put Paul Squirrel Academy on there, because that is just, that is a lost conspiracy. But unfortunately, I exist in the timeline where Paul Squirrel Academy doesn't exist. But we are left with the food replicator. Now, the food replicator is exactly what it sounds like. Paul Adams, is Paul Adams or Paul Allen? It's Paul Adams. I think I called him Paul Allen earlier, but it's Paul Adams. He has invented a food replicator and it will cost you maybe eight bucks to build and, uh, just 20 years off your life. Just letting you know. Very, very simple. Here it is. Two, two tin cans. So any invention that starts off with two tin cans, you know is going to be gold. You know that is an amazing invention. That's a shark. That's above Shark Tank. That's like DARPA level technology. Two tin cans. They have to... And you should write this down. You guys are going to want to do this. They have to be food-based cans. So they have to be cans that previously held food. And they have to be the same. So you can't get a can of Denison's chili and then a can of raviolis. You have to get two cans of Denison's chili. And then give the chili to me. <laughs> I'll eat it. You then empty out the cans. You uh wash them down. Take off the, the wrapper. There you go. You have the first part of your science science fiction device known as the food replicator. This is real, by the way. This is I should say that he's been doing this for years, eating this eating this food. Well, again, he might be dead now, but we'll get to that. Two matching tin cans, clean. Some circular magnets. You'll need those as well. One lead with two alligator clips. So you need a little wire and then two little alligator clips and two identical plastic or glass bottles. That's all you'll need to really start making this food. You're going to take the two tin cans. You clean them out. You're going to take the magnet. He spends a long time describing how magnets work. And I'm thinking, who is this for? Fourth graders? Like, who doesn't know how magnets work? The reverse polarity of magnets. He goes on and on. Anyways, no duh, dude. You take the magnets, and you completely cover the bottom of one can. With the magnets. So you take, take the can. And you make sure that they're all facing the same way. Other, which obviously. But anyway. So you take the bottom of the can. You put the little circular magnets down. You cover as much of the surface area on one can with the magnets. And do the same thing to the other can. Then you use the alligator clips. And you connect them via the wire. And now you're done with the food replicator. That's the actual device itself. Then you are going to take your bottles. And you're going to fill them up full of water. But, Paul is very, very specific. It can only be tap water. No other water will work, for whatever reason. You can't use any other water but tap water. Fill it full of tap water. Fill both bottles full of tap water. So now you have two bottles, your source bottle and your replica bottle. In your source bottle, put food in it. I'm almost done. I'm sure this is probably boring. But in your source bottle, you put food in the water and swish it around and put it under one tin can. And in the replica bottle, you don't do anything to it. You put it under the other tin cans. They have to be fairly small bottles of water. Wait ten minutes, and then drink out of the replica bottle. You have just drank the food from the first bottle, from the source bottle. And you're thinking, okay, Jason, this guy is this wacky invention. Ha ha! You told us some stupid instructions, and that's the end of the episode, right? That's kind of boring. No, because I wouldn't waste your time with that. It is funny to look at this recipe for this device but what it gets insane because so he makes this device back in 2004 and he has blog posts going for years now we start this is where we start to see the insanity sink in this is where we start to see that this guy invented this machine i'm not necessarily calling him insane but just the bizarre thoughts that got wrapped around this In 2004, when he invented the machine, he was having some blood pressure problems. He was having some health issues. And he decided to invent this machine to help those health issues. He was a little overweight and his blood pressure was high. And I think it started initially that he was trying to lose weight, but you gotta eat something. His blog then goes, there's two levels of the blog. There's the interactions with himself and interactions (laughs) with other people and the food replicator. The interactions with himself Every blog post, he lists his blood pressure, and you can actually watch it go up and down over the course of months, and his weight, he loses 20 pounds incredibly rapidly, and he wasn't a super big guy to begin with, he was like 195 in the beginning, and then he's down to 170, so he drops 20 pounds fairly quickly, which is fine, it's good to lose weight, but you need to eat stuff. He is getting most of his meals from the food replicator. And when I say put, when I first read this, I was like, oh, put food in a bottle of water. I was thinking, you know, put like a piece of meat in there and then it gets transmitted to other water. He put, he's putting prefix burritos in his food replicator. He's constantly talking about taking omelets and making an omelet and only eating a part of it and sticking the rest into a bottle of water and then drinking the replicated omelet he's like oh i feel so good i've eaten this omelet and then the next blog post his blood pressure's up like it's just insane it's totally nuts and he's doing that and then as the as the year like the months go on he starts being like i woke up this morning and i'm not hungry but i'm like kind of hungry and i made toast with butter And I ate it. It was the most delicious thing I've ever eaten. Because he's starving himself. And then there's this weird. (laughs) Weird pattern emerges. Where he starts talking about. (laughs) How much he loves Panda Express. And he starts going to Panda Express. And eating chow mein. And then he gets sick. Because he's eating a bunch of carbs. And he's been starving himself through the food replicator. And he can't figure out what the problem is. So he drinks an omelet the next morning. It's absolutely bizarre. And the whole time he's watching his blood pressure go up. So here is, so again, this is, this is, this is, I want to read off a couple of his sample blog posts here. This is February 10th, 2004. So this is very, very recent from him building the food replicator. I had the urge to exercise today. That's good. Exercise is good. I always think exercise is a good thing. So I've been (laughs) bouncing... So I've been bouncing on the mini trampoline... Huh? What? For a total of a couple of hours. So now I imagine this guy just... And is on a mini trampoline for hours. For hours. (laughs) I have so much energy since I drank that burrito. This is so good. This is this is actually the same day, um, February 10th. All I had eaten of real food today by about 4 p.m. was half a cup of orange juice, apart from drinking water as usual. I'd had a few squirts of yesterday's burrito and so on, so I didn't feel particularly hungry, but the idea of some toast and cheese was appealing. <laughs> so again... Like, he's constantly, like, talking about eating other food. It's not working. But he swears by it. And also, the phrase, a few squirts of yesterday's burrito is not appetizing in the least. That's what I say after I've gone to Taco Bell and I'm headed to the bathroom. Ah, I gotta drop off a couple squirts of yesterday's burrito. That's disgusting. So anyways, but he loves squirting, eating squirted burrito. So... And he then decides to share his miracle invention with the world. He puts the invention online, but he's like, no, it's not good enough. He starts trying to get his friends to take squirts of water into their mouth. So he has one buddy who's pretty game to it. And Paul starts giving him squirts of coffee. So it's just regular water that's been infused with coffee. And his buddy's like, oh, yeah, fine. Probably don't, don't shoot me. Don't kill me at work, please. Don't please, Paul. I'm on your side. And then he, there was this there women pop up every once in a while in his blog post there's this woman a friend of his he's hanging out with and he's like here take some of this water which i mean com- ma'am you have terrible common sense if a man goes here take a squirt of this enhanced water and you do it she takes the squirt and he's like i wonder what she'll i wonder if she'll taste the, the omelet in the in the uh, water <laughs> And anyway, she comes home from work, and he's like, did you notice anything from the water? And she's like, well, not really, but I did crave an omelet later. And he's like, success. Maybe I put the idea of cheese in her head. This is (laughs) totally real, by the way. And then he finally tells her what his invention was. He goes, you know, that water I gave you was actually replicated omelet in a bottle of water. And he goes through the process, because he didn't tell her at first. He just said, here, have some enhanced the water. So he tells her what it was. And then later on that night, he goes, would you like some more? And she's like, no, (laughs) I don't. I don't. And even he's like, I think I creeped her out. I think I scared her from my invention. But so he's now trying to share it with other people. But then we talk. Now he's a true scientist because he starts experimenting on himself. He has this weird post on February 15th. Where he talks about his pornography ad- and masturbation addiction. And he's going on about how it's okay, so this is the year 2004. He's like, I have this huge collection of pornography and I masturbate all the time and I don't know, want, don't know what to do. And then he goes, Sometimes I just want to delete my collection, but then I think, no, I can't. And he goes, I have all these pictures, and I'm thinking, pictures? Pictures? How old is your computer? I get it like 2004 wasn't the highest level of internet, but who has pornographic photos? Like, did people still have those back then? Am I, am I that like removed? Like, it was video, we had videos then, right? When was the last time someone looked at a pornographic photo on their, just a photo on their computer? So, anyways, he has this huge collection of pornographic photos. What do you, <laughs> photos? <laughs> anyways, <laughs> I can't. He has this huge collection of pornographic photos on his computer. And he's a chronic masturbator. So as a scientist would do, he thinks, I bet you the food replicator can solve this. And he talks about a phrase he once heard, says, If you're having a problem with something, you don't have enough of it yet. He doesn't source who said this quote. And it sounds like a terrible, terrible quote. Because basically, if someone has a heroin problem, you could say, well, technically, you don't have a heroin problem. You have a problem with not having enough heroin. And be like, oh, yeah, you're right. That is my problem. He repeats this phrase multiple times throughout his website. If you're having a problem with something, you don't have enough of it yet, which is quite bizarre. I could see that applying to, like, money and love. But anything else, masturbation. So he's thinking... Maybe it has something to do with my semen. Like I'm releasing all. I'm. So, this is so gross because now this guy is in his late sixties or early seventies, and he's basically just jacking off all the time. His mini trampoline is super slippery, and he goes, "I am jacking off all the time, but I maybe I need more semen because I have a problem releasing semen." So he he jacks off into a bottle of water. And puts it in the food replicator. <laughs> and drinks the replicated semen water. Now... <laughs> I mean, come on, dude. Come on. Like, it's if, <laughs> if the invention doesn't work, it's just very, very unclean. It's unsanitary. You're jacking off in a bottle. But if the invention does work You're drinking magical jizz Anyway so he begins Drinking his own <laughs> Replicated semen For pretty much the rest of the blog Like I was looking through blog readings And it would be like today I drink some semen So His photos on this blog It's his real name his address is on there I can't imagine any business associate ever stumbling Across this thing And being like Hey, Paul, can can I see you in my office today? You're not... <laughs> you're not... The water you're drinking at work is he's semen in it, right? He's like, what? No, no. Fingers crossed behind his back. Salt water. But anyways, so the madness continues. So he starts it in February. He has pretty consistent updates on his blog. But on June 28th, everything kind of takes a turn. There's only like a blog post every month or every few months after that. And the blog posts are saying all the blog, all the posts say is I'm still alive. I'm not dead yet. I'm still alive. He's just like letting us know that he's not dead yet because he started he thought he had a heart attack a short like couple months after building the food replicator because he wasn't eating enough food and he was taking vitamins via the replicated water. So he would buy vitamins and he'd take some of them, but most of them he would drop in water and drink the replicated vitamins. He started putting like silver. In the source bottle and then spraying the replicated silver all over his body to get rid of germs. Like crazy, crazy stuff. And the last update to the website was 2015. Now, in 2015, he had gone back up to his weight of 190, 195. So he did start putting weight on again. But he hasn't posted anything that I've seen since 2015. So it is possible that he has passed away at this point. Or... He's built his new replicator he was talking about. On March 17th, he talks about his friend saying, You know what? I'd really like to replicate a hottie. 20-year-old hottie. Paul's like, ho, 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 ho. Hmm. Let me think about that. Here's a quote in his own words, which gives an interesting idea. The guy was joking, by the way. The guy who said he'd like to replicate a 20-year-old hottie was joking. He didn't realize he was joking, too. Uh, A supervillain. He didn't realize he was joking to a supervillain on a shoestring budget. Which gives an interesting idea. What if you got two 55-gallon steel barrels, added the magnets and a wire between in the usual manner, and put a person in the input barrel? What? So some guy's cracking a joke, and Paul's like, that actually might work. We might be able to replicate... A human being. Or turn him in water. See, that's what I don't You're just going to turn him in water? They, so then he goes on. There would need to be the usual electrical connection between the cans. And the person should be barefoot and <laughs> touching the bottom. And should probably also touch the side of the barrel with his hands. What? So now you want to replicate a dude? Like, the other guy was talking about, like, a chick. But you're replicating a guy now? That's... A weird turn, Paul. Bizarre. Okay, but anyway, that kind of threw me off. What would be the result, he asks. What would be the result of taking squirts of a replicated person? And then he says, I have no idea, luckily. He does say that, basically, you put a person in a 55-gallon drum... And then you take a giant water bottle, like an Alhambra water bottle, and you would suck some of them out and turn them (laughs) into water. And then you could drink the person, drink the person's essence. And he starts to say, maybe I could use this like if someone's fighting with me, if someone's angry with me or I don't like them. I could take their essence and drink them because, he repeats the phrase, if you have a problem with something, you don't have enough of it. He's thinking, maybe if I have a problem with someone, it's because I don't have enough of them, but if I drink them, they're inside me, so I have all that I need. That's his rationale. Now, he goes, obviously, I'm not going to be able to get this person into a 55-gallon barrel, especially if it's somebody who doesn't like him. If it's somebody who doesn't like Paul, he's not going to be tricked to coming over to his murder dungeon to hide underneath the barrel. But he does have a helpful tip for that. What you can do is you can get a non-digital photograph. Okay. Um, A lock of their hair. Okay. Or some of their blood. He will drink the blood of people who he's having trouble with. He will put some of their blood into a container, replicate it, and then drink the water. This guy is... I mean, come on, Paul. Come on, you're already drinking your own semen. I-, I wonder why he didn't say, well, I'll just drink their semen too. But anyways, and then uh, depending on your point of view, this is either a creepy way to end it or a heartbreaking way to end it. I personally think it's a little bit of both. But in his blog post where he's trying to figure out if he can replicate a human being and drink them, he says this. Another interesting experiment to be done. He says is like he's wearing a smock covered in blood with a With a little doctor's mask all bloody, holding a butcher knife. And he's talking specifically about taking hair or blood or photographs of people and replicating them. Another interesting experiment to be done. I'll try it with some photographs of people. I'll start with a photograph of my daughter, who hasn't contacted me for four years. She doesn't like me. And I don't even know where she is. She does know my address, though. So basically, this guy is suggesting drinking his daughter. (laughs) That's super creepy. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at Jason O. Carpenter. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Hey, everyone, that was The Food Replicator. That was episode, what was it, 177, The Food Replicator. But I know you guys aren't here for The Food Replicator. Maybe you are. Maybe you're hungry. Maybe you need some food. But first off, let's talk about the Discord thing. It's funny. I kind of built it up. In the intro, I'm not going to say that I'm not going to talk about it, but there's not much to talk about. It's funny because after we shut it, for those of you who aren't familiar with the story, if you guys heard this episode, we had a Discord server. It was around for about a week and then it just stopped. Then it just ended. And I think there were, I got a bunch of emails after it ended and people were like, hey, I'm really sorry that it shut down. Are you guys going to open it back up? I guess people were like posting gross photos, diarrhea photos or something like that or Who knows? I don't know. I wasn't there when people were posting photos like that. Um, But I always just said, ah, you know, whatever. Like, I heard that we'd got raided at some point. That's just, being on the internet, you're going to get raided. But that's not the reason why we shut it down. I didn't shut it down because a bunch of diaryish photos showed up. Um, It's far more simple than that. It's actually a really interesting story. First off, let me give a shout out to BarfyMan362. He's the one who set up the Discord server. And, And this is what happened. He sets up a Discord server. I'm not a huge fan of Discord servers or Discord myself. I think it's a totally awesome tool, but I don't like the layout of it. I don't like the color scheme. I don't really like anything about it. I don't like the alert system. I have used it to play Dungeons and Dragons with Matt and Eddie, and I've used it to play Dungeons and Dragons and Mort Borg with my buddy Carson. Small group stuff. Here's exactly what happened. Barfy man says, hey, I want to set up a long time listener of the show, long time supporter of the show. He goes, hey, I want to set up a Discord server. I go, that's totally fine. He sets it up. I announce it on the show and he goes, wait, 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 wait what? Like, I didn't think you were going to do that. And I go, huh? Now, he is more familiar with Discord than I am. You most likely are more <laughs> familiar with Discord than I am. It went from being barfy man and me. He put me as like an owner or a mod or whatever the role I had to 140 people in about 36 hours with no mods. Like he immediately had to begin assigning mod roles. But for every mod he assigned, 10 more people would join. I announced it on the show. The show is, show is much bigger now than it was back then. Back then, we had a listenership of about 4,000 like overall. And I think now it's it's actually now it's like closer to 10,000. But out of that, 140 people joined right away. And we're both like, oh, that's cool. Like, whoa. And <laughs> that's what I was thinking. I was like, oh, that's cool. And then I just walk away because he invented this thing. And Barby is all sweating. He's like, dude, I don't have a mod team for this. And and here's the thing, the mods that he assigned totally did their best. Like I'm assuming, because again, like from what we'll get to the end, but he sets up these mods. I'm not bad talking to mods or anything like that. I'm not even bad talking to people who joined the Discord. But what happened was I have this philosophy with this show. If I'm doing something for the show and it is distracting from the core mission the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast that content delivering it from me to you my listener my friend i'm your virtual friend and i don't see that as an insult because i have my virtual friends are red letter media and ohm and all of those things dream they make my day i see a new video from red letter media i'm like oh that's really cool talking about star trek star trek season one i'm down that's the mission statement of the show. So if I start doing something else for the show and it's beginning to distract from that mission statement, I let it go. Remember I was doing listener mail. I was I did like four or five short horror stories. I really liked them. I had a lot of fun doing them. Uh, no one else did. Uh, no one else liked them. They're consistently in my lowest downloaded stuff. Um, that's totally fine. It was not to brand. Um, it was a weird setup, but I enjoyed telling uh, fictional spooky stories, whatever. I stopped doing them. I stopped doing them, um the video game I talked about doing a dead rabbit radio video game once I and that when I was just piddling around with it on the back end. It was really cool when I announced it um then it became work and it was distracting from the show. I stopped working on it i'll probably pick that up at some point, but doing video doing video, I would love to do more live streams. I would totally love to do like weekly live streams for the patreon supporters and then monthly live streams for everyone else, but it just it just so much time. And it detracts from the episode. I have to set my Patreon live streams way in advance. If it takes away from the show, from the mission statement of the show, I let it go. This Discord got set up. Now it's something that is out there with my name on it and the brand on it, which is fine. Like, I have... You can have fan servers. Like, I have no control over that. But because I announced it on the show, it became an official Discord server, basically. And I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, oh, great. Now there's this thing out there, and I know we have seven mods, but we're getting all these people. I'm announcing it on the show. It's in the show notes. Even more people. It was 140 people in the first like day or two. I don't know what we peeked out on, but I remember one night I went to bed because I wasn't on it that much because I don't really like Discord. I have to teach myself to like Discord, but I remember one night I went to bed. It was like 10, 11 o'clock at night, an episode had dropped, and I... Pull it up and there was not a single mod on. Which is fine. I mean, they're not being paid to do it, right? We don't have a schedule set up for them. They're volunteers. I'm not mad at them because they're not on. We set this up. Barfy man, I'm not throwing him under the bus. He set it up. I'm the one who messed it up by announcing it on the show. If I had let it grow organically with him slowly bringing people in and finding the mods that would regulate the flow of people, totally would have worked. It was becoming a distraction to me. I was thinking about the Discord and thinking, great, you know, it's public. Da, 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 da. So the night, though, I remember it was starting to distract me because I was announcing, I think I announced it more than once on the shows and the show notes. It basically had become part of the show. I remember when I, the night I saw there were no mods on there, I talked to Barfy Man and I said, hey, listen, um, I can't have this being of like, you can keep this going, but. I can't endorse it anymore on the show. I don't know if I'm going to edit it out. Because I have gone back and edited things out of episodes and into episodes and things like that. Show notes and da 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 And Barkey Man actually agreed. He goes... Yeah. It's it, it growing way too fast. And again, it's not any knock against him or the mods. It grew up way too fast. That's the story. I guess at the very end, uh, we got raided. People... I remember... I was getting emails from people going, oh, people were posting really gross photos. I got a couple emails from, or even tweets, uh, Twitter messages from a couple of you guys saying, I apologize for my behavior on the Discord server. I was doing stuff that I know you wouldn't agree with. And I hope that, it was really really cool to get those messages from you guys. Because I know anonymity, and I know like, I'm not trying to excuse bad behavior online, but, because it's still bad behavior, but I thought it was interesting. I got more than one email or message from someone saying they were they were personally doing not great stuff for uh, uh, the show. They were posting stuff for other podcasts. I'm like, no, you know what I mean, like stuff that reflects badly on the show, and when my name is on it. I would just want. I I think the the best thing is if you have to apologize to your friend about it, just don't do it in the first place. Would probably be a good thing. But those are all grow. Those are all. And again, I don't. They, no one ever specifically said what they were saying or doing one thing i heard more than once that people were posting diarrhea photos and that's not really off brand for dead rap (laughs) we talk about that all the time on the show but it's just not something you want to clutter your discord up with people want to go there to make friends and talk about ufos and stuff like that and then people are looking through brap photos and i guess towards the end we got raided with that or maybe some gore i don't know but at that point like i was already like nah I don't, I can't endorse it anymore, and Barfy Man says, yeah, it's a great idea, let's just shut it down. So, that was it. It wasn't a huge thing. There wasn't one event or, or one thing that ended it. It was just basically, it grew too fast. It grew too fast It became a distraction to me. That was it. Like, it wasn't a huge event. Nobody shut it down. Uh, no outside force shut it down, I should say. I, I made the decision, me and Barfy Man, together, really, but Mud Hino. Let's talk about this story. I love this story. It has everything I love about a story. One, I love aliens. Two, it's a bit of a mystery. Three, it has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Now, sometimes the end can be unsolved. They don't have to have a resolution on it. The ending can be unsolved. But like stories about a guy, and there's like he goes in the hallway and he sees a ghost in the hallway. That story doesn't have a. It technically has a beginning, a middle, and an end, but it doesn't. It's an event. It's just a single thing. I come across tons of stories of people driving through the woods. That's that's super safe. That's super unsafe. Hopefully they're on an ATV. They're driving down the road. They see a UFO. Or even episodes, even stories. I'll come across where they see. I that those are boring to me. Just seeing the UFO. I'll see. Stories where people actually interact with aliens. The aliens come down and go, do better. And they leave. That's boring to me. That's an event. That's an event. This story, you have the alien showing up. You have people witnessing it. You have the investigator showing up. The fox molder. Who thinks he's going to break the case. And instead, it's Mud Hino. It's a man who's so muddy, he has a nickname. Who people mistake for a space alien. (laughs) And the aliens at the local health clinic were two dwarfs. We were having like a prenatal checkup. That's brilliant. I mean, seriously, if you wrote that story, people wouldn't believe it. I love this one. And i was so funny. The other day I was just on Reddit and I saw someone going like, have you heard about the Vargina mystery? An alien was sighted. Is it the Chupacabra? I was like, no, it's Mudhino. This story always puts a smile on my face. I had actually forgotten about it. Like when I saw the Reddit post, I go, "Vargina, that name's super familiar. And I remembered covering it, but I did not remember. I did not remember the muddy homeless man Who's so muddy, people reference him as a mud man. And another interesting thing about this episode is I say in it, do you think cryptids live with homeless people? Like if homeless people have more things to worry about than the man with three eyeballs or like the, the spirit who's wafting around, they might, they might be a little more concerned about the spirit. But... It's funny because I say, I wonder if cryptids hang out with homeless people. I actually, I totally forgot about that. It must have been like two, three hundred episodes later. I have a vague recollection of covering a story about a flying bat monster in Chicago. And I think that's how that story ended. I think it was about a predator who was killing prostitutes and homeless people. And it's funny because I made this offhand comment and it must have stuck with me. It must have stuck. I think that would be a really cool story. You don't have to go full on like fantasy, modern fantasy stuff, but and there's a market for that. I'm not knocking that market, but you could just have a story about a single cryptid, not. And then we go to the elf realm underneath the sewers, just a single cryptid hanging out. What happened to those stories where it was just like a single story? Now everything's built up into this super universe. I don't know where that rant came from. My point is, is is that you just have a monster hanging out. Oh, damn it. That was Beauty and the Beast. That was that CBS show, Beauty and the Beast, starring Linda Hamilton. Anyways, let's move on. I love that story, but, let's move on to the food replicator. This is a magnificent story. Again, it was sent to me by Ramsey's. It is the story of a man who invented a completely crackpot invention where he believes he can drink the nutrients of food, that it's being teleported, or it's being sucked up into the water. That in and of itself... And if you listen to the Yaw Machine episode, you guys will see, like I go, I could tell there was a bunch of dense information on that one, so I did the Yaw Machine first. That in and of itself, just duplicating the food, that's a wacky invention. But this story, this epic saga we go on with paul adams is so fascinating he's tricking people to drink replicated food when he takes it to the co-worker he put a little breakfast burrito (laughs) and he gives it to the girl and she drinks it and then later on she wants a burrito and he's like "Uh uh-huh and he's constantly could you imagine working with this guy he's constantly trying to get people to drink his special water that's brilliant not him like that's a stupid idea But you have the food replicator, and then we move on to the fact that he's replicating food. That's fine. And then we move on to the fact that he's tricking people into drinking it. And then he's drinking his semen. You have a problem in your life, you don't have enough of it. You remember he's having like some sex addict problem i just remember his photographs his collection of pornographic photographs that made me laugh again when i was listening to this episode who has photographs it's funny because i have like bikini anyone who's seen a live stream of my house have like i don't have a bikini myself but a live stream of my house i have bikini calendars my house looks like an old mechanic shop i have maxim's hometown honeys from 2007 i have that poster up and then sure those are pictures right and Some prude may say that those are pornographic, but they're not allowed over in my apartment anyway, so it doesn't matter. But having pornographic photos is so, it's quaint, isn't it? It's so like, I I don't, it's, I, it's, I feel like it's something that Mark Twain would have. He'd have his book of old sepia tones photos. Oh, yes, here's Myrtle Barnes, nude. I don't know. I don't know why he sounds like a surfer. It's such a great story, the way it escalates. And it truly is an escalation. Food replicator, super ridiculous. Replicating the food. He's putting it into practice. It's not just a theory. He's tricking people into drinking it. He's drinking his own semen. Then he talks about replicating a human. <laughs> like, I mean, you can't get better than that. He talks about getting, someone made a joke about getting a hottie, and he talks about <laughs> where he's going to find 2 55-gallon drums. And then the end, it's the segment with his daughter. His daughter hasn't talked to him for a while, and he's talking about replicating his daughter. I think that I I, got to give myself a pat on the back for this episode. I think it's really, really well laid out. If you want to talk about an episode with a beginning, a middle, or an end, it's this story. It's all about the layout on an episode like this, and that's why I needed that time. I needed to figure out the best way to tell that story, and it, it flows super organically. It flows like food from one bottle into the other. So, and it's funny because I said on the Yon, what was it, the Yon Machine episode, I can hear in my voice, I can hear in my voice desperation when I don't know if the story's landing. I can hear in my voice when I, I think you guys can tell when I'm tired or sick. There have been episodes where I'll get messages and people go, hey, I hope you feel better. Um, And I don't mention it at all. I think they've started to pick up on and listen to three episodes in a row. You're like, I sounds a little tired, but I can hear like desperation. I can hear, I can hear that in my laugh. It's weird. It's weird. I've been listening to myself for so long. I'm become the ultimate lie detector, but only for myself, not lie detector, but emotional detector. This episode, when I was listening to it, when I was listening to the uh, food replicator, I put in my notes here for these, uh, for this part, I said, such a laid-back episode. Very happy. I could tell listening to this episode that it was totally working. I could tell listening to this episode I was in a good mental state. I was probably very well fed. And I was having a good time telling the story. I knew when I started recording this episode that the story itself was great. The notes were great. I'm talking about both the Mud Hino and... I knew that the story was going to work. The Yon Machine was a second draft. I didn't know if it was going to work. Uh, But this one, I was like, nope. I took my time. And I don't always get to take that time. I don't always get to take that time with this show. uh, Because it's a daily podcast. And you guys send me stories. And that is a lot of help. And you guys help get the word out. And that is a lot of help. And you guys support the show financially. And that is a lot of help. And then I edit research And um record, not in that order, not in that order, the episodes. And it's a time limit. You got five episodes to do a week. So I don't always have a lot of time to look stuff up. I do and 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 we'll talk about that more in the next classics episode, because the next classics episode I think is when people think about Dead Rabbit Radio, I think the next episode is is might be one of the best episodes ever, as far as just letting things grow but um Paul Squirrel Academy let's talk about this super super fast a lot of people reached out to me afterwards and found Paul Squirrel Academy it is a Dianetics Scientology workbook Paul Adams is a Scientologist I actually think he's passed away at this point I haven't seen any activity from him since 2019 could be wrong but it it wasn't super funny I mean like you know what I mean it sounds funny Paul Squirrel Academy but I'll put it in the show notes it's just some check sheets there's no squirrels running around but I appreciate everyone, it kind of crushed my dreams of it, but I appreciate everyone who was able to find information on Paul Squirrel Academy. I got a bunch of people reaching out to me on that, so that is totally awesome. Really appreciate that. And you know, whatever, I'm not one of those guys who's like, oh, Scientology, this guy's even crazier, like whatever. Every There's a billion religions out there, and a lot some are weirder than others, but they all got their quirks, and I don't personally think Scientology is... I don't think it makes you stupid or dumb or gullible. I think the fact that this guy drank his own semen and was trying to replicate his daughter is completely divorced from the fact that he's a Scientologist. And I knew he was a Scientologist recording it. I just didn't figure it was worth noting. Just like there's a bunch of serial killers out there who are this religion or that religion, Southern Baptist or whatever. It doesn't add to the story unless it adds to the story, unless it's a cult and the reason why they're doing the killings is because they're an offshoot of this. Like the um, Hobart Freeman, uh, someone like that. Like the killings were because of the religion. That's not something that I'm just going to gloss over. But if they're jo- if they're just doing something weird and they're a member of a religion, whatever. I don't care about that. So the pole Squirrel Academy, um, I'll put it in the show notes. Super disappointing. Um but I don't know. Maybe, maybe it'll be the most exciting thing you've seen. Maybe you've been looking for new worksheets to work through on Scientology stuff. I don't know. But I do know this. I have now recorded two versions of this outro. I'm only gonna play one of them. The other one was long and boring. This one was just long and exciting. Guys, come back for the next episode of Dead Rabbit Radio Classics. It's a good one. It's a I actually underrated the episode we're going to cover next. So I hope you guys tune in for the next episode of Dead Rabbit Radio Classics.